Dr. James Beckett's Sports Card Insight. This episode, vintage, uh, especially in the distant future. I want to thank the sponsors first, Top Spinning, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugging the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Certainly like to thank the excellent panelists, Brian Flynn, Jim Telford, Kevin O'Keefe, Frank Costella, and Eddie Healy. We had a great time. The first virtual vintage dinner. So here is the discussion about what vintage might look like in the future. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye. And here it is. <laughs> what we think of as vintage may not be vintage in 20 years. It may be ultra vintage or something. We talk about things we collected in our lifetime. And yet the older we get, the more distant memory it is. My dad's still around, but he's going to be 96 this year. He collected Gowdy's. But he's not the one driving the the demand. It's people that didn't collect them for the most part. What do you guys think about how vintage could evolve in 20 years? We have a new cohort of serious collectors that have come in in their 30s and 40s. And we got this top shot, which seems brand new now. In 20 years, maybe there'll be some other kind of thing, and maybe that'll be considered vintage. So your assessment of how vintage is going to evolve as you mature and age in the hobby? I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. One is you take the aspect of the new generations that are coming in now are not coming in to hold things. They're coming in to flip things. They're looking for the big hit. How much return can I get? And move on from that. As I've said before, I'm a set builder and and those are getting fewer and far between. So you just don't have as many maybe in the younger generations that in the future would look at vintage as something to hold on to. You add to that with the new facets that are coming into play, like Top Shot and those type things. And is that going to just totally divert the attention away from what we traditionally uh, label as vintage? Is there a risk of taking vintage in a totally different direction because that's the hot thing? and, And then, of course, that's replaced by the next hot thing and the next hot thing and vintage becomes further and further behind. Okay, Eddie, do you agree? One thing that crystallized me recently is I think something we right now view, I don't know what that is, you as a collectible vintage category is probably going to fall off and, and not be collectible anymore. I think a really uh, interesting nugget from your episode with Joe Maddalena talking about the movie stars from the 20s and 30s and 40s, not really as, as collectible right now as people's tastes change. And I, a personal conversation I had with a military collector recently similar things where uh, civil war and and that era of wars very collectible years ago people would buy general pistols is a major thing in that category and now as those people who bought them 20 30 years ago are getting ready to sell them they haven't appreciated as more recent wars have become more in vogue for collectors i'm not really sure what category that is i think in 20 years the cards from the junk wax era they'll be close to 50 60 years old so there's going to be so many categories of vintage. Uh, the second big thing I would say is you know, if, if a lot of what's driving the current conditions are people who grew up in the junk wax era and now have young children, in another 20 years, all the children will have graduated from college and they'll be empty nesting and they'll be at a retirement age and maybe more disposable income possibly. So I would say in 20 years, there probably will be another large time where there's a lot of activity. So I think those are probably the two big things. If something's going to fall off, but I do think there's going to, interest is going to cycle back again. Eddie, you're an excellent example of defining vintage, but only in the context of Baltimore for your collection. So basically what what the problem will be in the hobby is that that we've got these things that Joe Maddalena doesn't necessarily have. He's got movie stars 
we have things called common cards. So if a common card, they're forgotten by a lot of the people now, even though they're good players. Anybody that makes the majors is a good player. But if they played for the Orioles, even if you never saw them play, Eddie, you're probably going to want, and I, I hope that always continues. I hope there's not just player collectors. There need to be team and franchise type collectors as well. And that's what can carry on the vintage that you're going to work your way back as you have done. So you're, you're a good example of that. You're collecting players from the Baltimore teams that you never saw play. So again, that's music to my ears. Jim Telford. I think what Eddie said earlier is really on point with referring to the Civil War collectibles that have seen a depreciation in value as more collectors were investing in World War II or Korean memorabilia. I've got an Instagram page called Roberto Clemente 365. Essentially, I'm posting every single day for 365 days just to raise awareness about Roberto Clemente trying to get his jersey retired. So trying to provide some education for the younger collectors. But I've had a number of younger collectors that have DM'd me asking, would I be interested in purchasing some 90s or aughts Clemente memorabilia or the cards? And I don't collect anything past 1973 tops, but that's just me personally. But I have a number of these friends of mine on Instagram are younger. They are in their, their 20s and they have accumulated some really impressive collectibles that are, are modern, which is how you look at it, especially with all of the game used artifacts that are being put into cards these days. So to them, the 90s and the early 2000s is vintage. Now, I don't understand. This is a vintage Roberto Clemente card from the 90s. I don't want to um, crush their spirit or say, oh, that's not something that I'm interested in doing and poo-poo their, their efforts and what they're genuinely passionate about. I think it's great. But I think that is a moving target. Right now, we're having a junk wax renaissance because all the people that were collecting junk wax are now in their 40s and 50s for the most part, or late 30s. They have a little coin in their pocket. And whether their folks threw out their collection or they didn't have the money at the time to purchase those assets, now they are. And I think that COVID clearly played significant role in that downtime of being able to go out and, and spend some money on just things that create joy for you. Yeah, there's definitely a concern that at some point, if there's not people around that are going to have memories of watching those players play as a child, that may, may go by the wayside. So do you think some of these young people that are approaching you, are they confused about whether something is vintage because it's a vintage player? or because it's a vintage set? I think that their interpretation of if a card was produced prior to their, them being born and they're in their 20s, they consider that vintage. The age of the card, not the age of the player. or The, the age of the card. They're, yeah, they're, they think, wait a minute, I was born in you know, 1997. You're telling me these cards from 1992, 93, 94 are not considered vintage cards? Where I would make the argument that, of course, that's not vintage. We all have a different criteria for what we view vintage. But I think that's exciting because my son is 10 years old and, and he's collecting. But what will be vintage for him when he's an adult is different than mine. And that's okay. I think that anything that we can do to encourage younger people to be involved with the hobby is really the direction that we should be going. There's room for everyone to collect what they want. And that question is me constantly debated as to what is vintage. But that's a good thing because I, I recall having the same conversation with people in the 80s that said, oh, that's the 50s and the 60s. That's not vintage. Vintage is, you know, 33 Gaudis and T206s and Cracker Jack cards. Oh, right. yeah. Frank, what's your position? What, what I see is today's collector, 
really doesn't build sets anymore. My generation, we were looking to build sets. Even the guys I knew that were older, the Frank Nagy's, the Bill Carroll's, these guys amassed beautiful sets of older vintage cards. And yeah, you had your Babe Ruth, your Ty Cobbs in there, but that wasn't the key element. The key element was building a set. Today, the collector just seems to be concerned about single cards. If that transcends 20 years down the road, they're not going to be interested in a 1963 Jim Golden card. They're going to be interested in a 1963 Roberto Clemente because he's a key player. And, and it seems like that's all the, the today's collectors are interested in. They're not interested in the other players. I can remember when I was trying to build my sets, being able to afford maybe a vending box or a wax box. And I thought that was great because I was able to amass a bunch of cards to try to build a set. I just don't see that happening today. And I don't see today's collectors putting a whole lot of stock into cards from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, stuff like that. Uh, Kevin O'Keefe, what's your position here? Obviously, I agree 100%. Vintage will evolve, but I think it's all about the key cards. If you got uh, Honus Wagner, it's always going to be vintage. It will clearly evolve, but... The ones that are collectible today will always be collectible, in my opinion. So the Nolan Ryans, the Mickey Mantles, the Michael Jordans, they're always going to be vintage. And clearly, there can be the next big thing, and that'll evolve as you go along. But the other two points that I would add here, in terms of the future, is this whole idea about our collectability. What Frank mentioned with sets, I think, is a real great point, that they're only collecting cards. But the physical nature of the hobby. My kids are 28 and 24, and there's a big narrative out there. Our kids, they're not interested in our stuff. They're minimalist. A lot of this next generation is coming up is going to be evolving with technology. So whether it's Top Shot or just having a digital card, they're not interested in necessarily possibly a lot of these collections that we have. Maybe individual cards, but certainly not the sub-tier type of stars, like maybe a Steve Carlton that we would think is going to be valuable in the future. Again, Steve Carlton, wow. he's a Hall of Famer, but he hasn't been necessarily a Nolan Ryan or Mickey Mantle. One more point, because I teach elementary school and have kids of my own, there's so much more that kids are into these days. So my eight-year-old I'm teaching now, video games, and so much of what they're doing on their iPhone. That could be possibly what could be uh, digital in the future in terms of uh, vintage and getting away from the physical aspect of our hobby. Basically, back in the 70s when I was buying collections, it was all vintage. We basically would put in the ads in the paper that we really didn't even want people to bring stuff that wasn't maybe 63 and back. If somebody brought in some 63s, even with Pete Rose rookies, you'd, you'd begrudgingly say, okay, but you didn't want people bringing in stuff from the 70s and all that, even though now that's vintage. So that maybe was short-sighted. It was never, here's my box of stars. It was, here's my collection. And they're almost always in numerical order and team order. And it was almost always vintage because that was the perception of the hobby. Then when I went to the shows, I'm having my duplicates after I pulled the ones that I didn't have put them out at some of these Detroit shows that Frank went to as well and make them available to other collectors for sale or for trade. Okay. That's one point. The second point that we're talking about, and this is specifically at, at Jim Telford. Okay. So what if I found out that Top Shot has now made a deal with the Roberto Clemente estate 
to incorporate some 10 second clips of his, I've never seen his first hit, but I've seen his 3000th hit a whole bunch of times and some other things from the World Series highlights and things like that. And they incorporate it. Would that make you think the Top Shot has a vintage appeal or is it just too modern? Yeah, Dr. Beckett, I think that you hit it on the head. That's going to be the next step. Top Shot's already indicated that they're working with the NBA right now for vintage plays. So when you got Jordan shooting the ball over Craig Eagle with the buzzer beater or Superman has left the building, those moments, that's coming probably this year. I imagine MLB, the NFL, soccer, the NHL, they're right behind. The NFT market, the non-fungible token, digitized Ethereum platform that essentially is what Bitcoin is built on. That's going to be the next big thing. We regurgitate some of Gary Vaynerchuk's words of wisdom out there. Everybody knows Gary V's clearly a, a card collector. He's called the modern explosion in cards a couple of years ago. But generally speaking, he's been really on point with a lot of his forecasting and prognostication. And he thinks it's going to be as big as the internet. I don't necessarily share that, but people, as Gary Vaynerchuk likes to say, they're about flexing. That's what the whole Instagram, social media thing is about. That's why fractional ownership is blowing up right now. People are like, hey, I own 2% of this 52 Tops Mickey Mantle. To me, that's not an appealing thing. But to these younger investors that don't necessarily want to be hauling this stuff around anyways, they just want to take photographs of it and, and post on social media. That's extremely important to them. I understand. I, I could get it. If I was younger, I think I, I would definitely gravitate towards some of that stuff. It's a rabbit hole I don't necessarily want to go down, primarily because of the volatility index of stuff like that, the shiny new object that you invest all this money into something and in two months of the market's crash because there's a new NFT that's come out and we're fixated on. So I, I do believe that this is just the beginning. I'm theorizing 20 years down the line, we walk into a room and you have a huge panel TV and the vintage thing going on. You're like, oh yeah, I, I'm one of the 20 people that own that clip in the world. I can understand the appeal for uh, the younger demographic, for sure. Okay, if Top Shot or the baseball equivalent of Top Shot gets Kilmeny's 3,000th hit clip, does that mean that the digital rights management, the DRM police, is going to say that can no longer be shown? You're in trouble if you show it on TV because it's exclusively owned by Major League Baseball. And so you'll never be able to see it. But that's going to be hard to police because that's out there with the old VHS tapes or whatever. Definitely. Uh, we're in a fairly litigious society and I could see where something's trademarked and they're pulling clips from YouTube. Uh, and not, but, uh, yeah. not every country plays by America's rules, which yeah. is, is let's just leave it at that.